All right, uh, this morning is going to be a little bit different than a typical Sunday morning. I guess at Parkview, we are uh, starting a new year. It's one of my favorite times of the year uh, because it's like a whole new year is ahead of us and a lot of potential. And I read a lot in the Bible about how God is a God who uh, does new work in our lives. He's, um, if anyone is in Christ, there's a new creation. There's something new that's ahead of us potentially of what God could do in our lives. And so you even see that culturally, how people are grabbing onto resolutions and new promises and new things. I had a friend that uh, would say that the first half of his life, he totally blew it. Like he just, the way he lived and everything he did. But when he met Jesus, he refers to God as the God of the do-over. Like the new start, the new beginning. And so there's something exciting about this time of year that you can look ahead and say, what is God going to do that's going to be new in 2019? And so if I were to offer something to you today, we could talk about like what a lot of people do with their resolutions, maybe a diet plan or an exercise plan. The place where I work out gets really crowded for this week or two, and then it starts dwindling off again. So um, it could be something like that. It could be a financial strategy, what to do in these days where it seems like the market's going up and down you know, all kinds of things. Um, But what if I were to say there's something we can grab onto in a fresh way this morning uh, that would bring more peace and more joy, uh, more purpose into your life, that you would be a calmer person, that you would fear less, that you would have more confidence and courage. You know, like if I could just spray something over the room this morning that would just cause that to happen, and maybe somebody next to you is nudging you, You're like, yeah, you need that, it's like, well, I, I want you to have some of that. Um, really, that, that gift that I give to you this morning is the gift of prayer. It's the opportunity uh, to see God do new things in our lives through prayer this year. And so I have to quickly say two things. As soon as I mention the word prayer in a sermon, two things happen. One is, uh, 90% of Christians say that they have weak prayer lives. And so that means one of the first things that could happen is that you guys all start going to the guilt and shame bunkers, right? And you're just there like, oh no, I'm just gonna be told about how I stink at prayer. Like, so don't go there. Like guilt and shame are not motivators. We're not going there. The other, the other dangerous place you could go this morning uh, would be to go to the familiarity bunker. Like, okay, I'm gonna hear I should pray. Like, I know that. Tell me something new. You know, that prayer is good. Yeah, wow, what a challenge, Doug. How are you, how are you gonna pull that one off? So like, so it can be an overly familiar topic, but, but honestly, you guys, like I, what I, my prayer is this morning, we're gonna talk about two pillars of prayer that I think if we really understood these foundational truths about prayer, you wouldn't have to like schedule prayer more or strive to be more disciplined to pray. I think you would just pray more. I think you would just, just do it if we really understood these two pillars. And we're going to learn uh, about prayer from Jesus today. And I think one thing that uh, we um, maybe make a mistake with when you talk about Jesus and his life that he lived on this planet is that it's true that Jesus was the only one who's walked on this planet, who's fully God and fully man. But I think sometimes we look at the life of Jesus and you'll say, oh, well, he did that because he was God. Well, of course he could do that because he was God. I think the point of the life of Jesus, and we're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks when we study the book of Philippians, is that when Jesus lived his life on this planet, he lived, he in many ways laid aside 
his deity, like he was God and man. He laid aside his God, the deity, and he lived in the flesh to show us what does it look like to follow God as human beings. And so when you look at the life of Jesus, one thing that was clearly a strength of Jesus, one thing Jesus was really good at was praying, okay? Jesus prayed, and sometimes that doesn't mix because you go, well, he was God. Why did he have to pray? Well, he prayed a lot because he's showing us how do we as people follow God and live a life that brings pleasure to God. And so that's why, like, when you read the Gospels, the first day that Jesus did public ministry, um, it says people were crowded around the house. He was doing miracles and teaching till late at night. And then it says in Mark chapter 1 that very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus went out to a solitary place and he prayed. And that wasn't like just a one and done kind of thing. You read in Luke chapter 5 that Jesus often went away to solitary places and he prayed. You see in Luke 6 that when he was picking his disciples, the 12 who were going to be his disciples, he prayed all night long before he made that decision. And so you come to Luke chapter 11, where we'll be today, and the disciples just flat out asked Jesus, could you teach us how to pray? Like they never said, could you teach us how to walk on water? Because that looks really fun. Like, could you teach me how to do that? Or could you teach me how to feed 5,000 people from a Lunchable? Like, could you, that would be really cool to be able to do that. Like, I would be very popular in my city if I could do that. Like, they didn't ask that. But they did ask him to teach them how to pray. And so our two verses for this morning are in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 and most of verse 2 which says this, that Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, how would be your name? Those are the two pillars we're going to look at this morning. Father, and how would be your name? And so I'm going to preach some, and then we'll stop, and we'll respond, and we'll sing, and we'll pray, and then we'll preach some more and do the same. And before you know it, it's time to go. So, but let me just pray for us that God would teach us something new and fresh about prayer today. So let's, let's pray. So Lord, uh, thank you. What a privilege to gather the first Sunday of the year. Thank you uh, that there's children here, too. Thank you that you can teach all of us. Every one of us has something to learn about prayer. So speak very clearly to us today. And, and, and I pray that in this next year, our lives would look different, not because we were guilt-tripped or shamed into praying more or that we disciplined ourselves and prayed more, but just because we were drawn into the reality of what prayer is. Father, hallowed be your name. In your great name we pray, amen. All right, so let's start with the first word, uh, Father, okay? Out of all the concepts and all the words that Jesus could have started with when he's teaching them how to pray, teaching us how to pray, he starts with the word Father. And that sounds, that's a little formal. I think literally the word he used was the word Daddy. It was most likely an Aramaic word, the word Abba, which meant daddy. It's what a young child would use when, it, when their dad would walk in the room as daddy. So out of, again, all the concepts, uh, the word Jesus started with is the word daddy. And I think that was kind of a shock to the disciples because what they equated with prayer was what they saw in the religious leaders. 
And the religious leaders in that day were known for long prayers with big, fat theological words that nobody could really understand or track with. Like it seemed very formal and long, and only the very smart or the only religious people could pray such amazing prayers. And Jesus just kind of brushes all that aside and says, no, when you pray, say daddy. So what he's bringing to the forefront here is, is that prayer is just an intimate conversation like that of a child and a father. So if you've had the privilege of having a young person call you daddy, you'll know that that word has a special ring to it, like, like, few, like few others. Like it, it reminds me of when my daughter who's now 20, but when she was more like two, three-ish, maybe into four, uh, when I would come home, she would be so excited that she would do what I used to call the daddy dance. Like there would be days where I'd come in and she'd say, daddy's home, and sometimes she would start running to me, but was so just completely overwhelmed with joy that she would kind of make a circle back to the couch, bury her face in the cushions, and pound them with joy, saying, daddy's home, daddy's home, like, Wow, if, if you only know who I was, like, that's a little bit of an overreaction right there. Like, I have not, I don't get many daddy dances these days, right? She's a lot wiser now and smarter, but no. But that beautiful innocence of, of her daddy was home. Like, isn't it, that's, if you just grab the essence of that, the, the celebration, the joy, the familiarity, the just calm and just celebrate and enjoy out of all the concepts Jesus could have started with about prayer. He just grabbed that picture of a little girl running into her dad's presence and just saying, Daddy, that's, that's, that's the picture of prayer. And so there's so many, there's, there's, a, there's a couple things I want to especially just draw out of that that we need to get. Like, and this is one of those pillars that the more we understand it, I think the more we'll just pray. We will not have to schedule it, try harder. I think we'll pray more. So when you pray, you are completely welcomed and loved. Like, just like, <laughs> I loved hearing the daddy and the daddy dance and daddy, like, that just drew my heart to my daughter. Like, can you know that when you start praying, you have a father in heaven who just loves to hear your voice? Like that, he has created you in his image. He has created you to know him. We see in Genesis 1, the first man and woman, as soon as he created them, he blessed them. Like, his, his heart is for you and towards you. And so when you just start talking to him, he is elated to hear from you. You are welcomed. You are loved. And I wonder, I wonder if you understood that more, if we wouldn't pray more. But he can't wait to hear your voice. It means that, um, well, let me just say one thing. In Romans chapter 8, 15, it says that God's spirit, so if you became a Christian, the day you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. God sent his spirit to live in you. Romans 8.15 says one of the Holy Spirit's roles is to cry out from your heart, Abba, Father. Like, God wants to help you. Like, even, oh, there's no way I could call God my Father. Well, let me just put my spirit in you, and let's let him start teaching you that, yes, you can do that. You can cry out and celebrate intimacy with me, Abba, Father. So you're welcomed, you're loved. The other thing this means is you just come as you are. You just come. How many times do kids just run into their parents' presence uh, because they need something or because something's broken or because they fell down or there's a scrape or there's a cut? Like, 
They don't think twice about, oh, I better make myself presentable to dad. No, they just come. They just come. And so that's the invitation. Like when Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Like just come as you are. Guys, I think if there's a misconception as I've talked to people over the years about their relationship with God and about praying, I think sometimes what keeps people from praying is they feel like they're too messed up or they're too broken or they're too ashamed or they're too, like Christianity is unlike any other religion. Like Christianity, the message of, of the Bible isn't like you better clean yourself up and then get into God's presence. It's like, come all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Like, honestly, maybe you know some people in your life that are going through a hard time, and you know there's a lot of needs, and you see that person coming towards you. There might be something in all of our hearts that's go, oh, no, here we go, you know? But God's heart isn't like that. His is come. Come messy. Come as you are. If you've never read the book, The Praying Life, that's a, that book just radically just opened my eyes to this whole concept. You just come messy, the Praying Life, it's by Paul Miller, but, but being able to call God Father, one of the ramifications of that is you come as you are. You come messy and broken and dependent. And finally, you might be wondering, so are you sure, Doug, this is true? Like that I can come into the presence of God? Like I, I don't think I deserve that. I don't think I can just walk up to God. And, and so there's a part here where if you were to say that to me, I would say you're absolutely right, but... Through Jesus, you have access to God. Like all these things I just said about being able to call uh, God daddy and be in his presence and know that he accepts you, all of that is through Jesus Christ. So when Jesus was beginning to teach in his ministry, there was a time where he referred to God as his father. And the people that heard that picked up rocks and wanted to kill him because to them that was committing blasphemy. It was claiming a special uh, access to God. How can you call God your father? But of course, we know he's the son of God, that he fully God, fully man has that unique relationship. He wasn't lying. He was true. God is his father. But what's equally astonishing now is that when Jesus says, hey, when you guys pray, you can pray to my father. No, he says, let's pray our father. Like, my father is now your father too. Like, you have the same access to God, the father, as I do. So when you pray, you guys can say daddy. You guys can say father. Like, so Jesus is the one who gives us permission and gives us access to talk to God and call him our father. And so, um, and again, that's the essence of the gospel message that Mary is traveling to South Asia to share. The basis, the, the gospel message is all of us have been created in the image of God to be known by God, to have a close relationship with God. But there are three, three truths I want to just share with you about the gospel. Isaiah 59, 2 says that our sins have separated us from God. Every one of us has sinned, rebelled against God, turned away from God. And so as I talk about prayer this morning, some of us might be saying, I, when I pray, it just seems like God's kind of so distant or doesn't really hear. And, and so that is, that is a result of our sin, that our sins have separated us from God. But 1 Peter 3.18 says that Jesus Christ died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, to bring us to God. 
So that's the gospel message is that Jesus brings us back to God. He died for our sins, took away the penalty of our sins so that we can have a relationship with God. And then 2 Corinthians 5.21 is where it says, God made him, made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us so that in Jesus we could become the righteousness of God. What that means is that when we come into the presence of God through Jesus, that we wrap ourselves with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That when God sees us, he doesn't see our sin, but, but our sins are forgiven, they're removed when we are in Christ, when our faith is in Jesus. And if you were here last week, uh, Thomas preached, and I thought he did an amazing job. Thomas is, I think, the master of analogy. He gives good pictures of biblical truths. And I hope you heard this one last week, where he was talking about the analogy of, let's say that you were to come into the presence of God, like the throne of God is there, and you walk into God's presence. What's the look on God's face when he sees you, okay? Now, be honest. Like, what would you say? Like, what would God's face look like if he saw you? Would he roll his eyes? Like, would he scowl at you? Would he look over you, maybe for somebody better, somebody more interesting coming in? You know, what's, what's the look on his face? If, if God were just, it's just you walking in the presence of God. Okay, then Thomas asked this, like, let's say in that analogy, so it's just you for a while before God would look on his face, but then you step aside, and the next person to walk through those doors into the presence of God is Jesus Christ, his son. Like, what would the look be on his face? Maybe that one's a little easier. Like, excitement, joy, like just love, like just an embrace, because that's the Son of God. That's Jesus. And we can think, well, of course, he deserves it. Like, he's perfect, sinless, like God's Son. What, what the truth is of the gospel from 2 Corinthians 5.21 is that in Christ, you, you come before God with the righteousness of Jesus. So that look on his face is one and the same. Like, his, his excitement, his joy, his pleasure in seeing his son is now the same look that would be on his face if you walked in the room, just in love with you, accepting of you, embracing you. That's, that's, that's a crucial pillar of prayer, you guys. Because if we don't believe that, man, why, why would we go pray to a God with whom we're just going to feel guilty or shameful or... I'm here by duty, or I should be here. No, 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 no. Like prayer is a place where you are welcomed and enjoyed by God because of what Jesus has done for you. Jesus has given you access to the presence of God. So when you pray, Jesus says, you pray, Daddy. (laughs) And so what I want us to do now as a church for a couple minutes is just kind of bask in that. And so there's a slide that's going to go up. And so you can pray alone where you are right now. Or if there's some people around you that you want to pray out loud with, you could do that. Or if you see some people that you'd like to pray out loud with and you're not sitting next to them, you could move and pray with them. But pray quietly or out loud, whatever you're comfortable with. But here's what we're praying for. Like, I just thank God for being a forgiving and accessible God who just longs for your presence. Uh, Praise Jesus for what he's done for you on the cross to let you come into God's presence. And just tell your Abba Father that you love him. And maybe while you're there in his presence, like just, just talk to him about what's on your heart today. Just, just open up and just enjoy being in the presence of Almighty God, okay? This, the next couple minutes are yours just to do those things as we pray to our Father.
two pillars in prayer. First one is daddy, father. And the second one, you remember when Jesus said, when you pray, say, father, hallowed be your name. So that's our second pillar of a powerful prayer life. So I would, I would be pretty safe if I were to bet that you did not use the word hallowed uh, in the last few weeks unless you were reciting the Lord's Prayer, right? Would I be pretty safe there? Hallowed uh, is not a very common word. It's interesting when they translated the New International Version of the Bible, you know, one of their ambitions was to take uh, the biblical concepts and put them in, in often spoken terms. But when they got to the Lord's Prayer, they didn't tweak hallowed, like they just kept it. And so hallowed is a hard word to translate and to summarize into some other word. Hallowed uh, basically means, um, let me just try a few words there, it has the same root as the word holiness. So it's referring to God being holy, separate, uh, supreme, amazing, astonishing, all-powerful, all-knowing. It's like all those all concepts of God round up into one word and just call him hallowed. means that God is completely above us, supreme. I mean, all those things we aren't, he is, all right? So how would be your name? And what an amazing concept to lay side by side with the word daddy, okay? Like all-knowing, omniscient, holy daddy. Like somehow, like how do those fit? It's called an oxymoron, right? Like Microsoft Works or Sanitary Landfill. Like how do you put those two words together? But those are the two pillars. And you need both of those to have a prayer life that, again, is not because you're more disciplined or you're trying harder, but you just can't wait to pray because not only is God just so accepting of you and loving of you and embracing when you come in his presence, but the God who embraces, the God who accepts is the almighty God, like who is supreme, who is all-powerful, who can do whatever he wants to do. Because if you had just the loving God, yeah, he might hug you, but he can't do anything for you. Why would you pray to that God? Or if you knew that God is supreme and all-powerful and holy, but he didn't give a rip about you, like why would you talk to that God? But you've got God who is both. How would be our name? Father. And so those are the pillars that drive us into prayer. We understand both of those. We will pray more this year. We, we can't help it. But to just talk to him when we're driving, um, we'll have scheduled times where we'll spend extended time in that God's presence. When we're in a jam or between meetings, we're heading into something hard, we'll say quick prayers, but we'll be in a constant dialogue with that God if we truly believe, Daddy, hallowed be your name, is true. And so um, what's interesting, a nuance that hit me in a fresh way this week, is this hallowed be your name is actually a request it's the first of, and if you know the rest of the Lord's Prayer, there's other things that Jesus invites us to ask when we pray to Daddy, to our Father in heaven. So, but this first is, is the first request. It's a request that God's name, uh, which means his character, uh, that God's name would be seen as being hallowed, that God would be on display, that his glory, his greatness, his holiness, his supremacy would be on display, that people would see it. And what's so crucial here is that I think the first one that needs to see that, the front row seat of the glory of God, is first of all the one who's praying, Daddy, and then how would be your name? So the, the heart attitude here is that as you're praying, saying, God, would you show me your glory? 
God, would you show me how amazing you are, how astonishing you are, how good you are, how strong you are. God, hallow your name before me. And then, and then as we enter in to pray for the other people in our lives that we love or the situations in this world that we care about or for our church, it's the same prayer. God, would you show your glory to my son or daughter, my wife, my friend, my church, my neighbor, uh, to this country? Would you hallow your name? Would you show who you are? It reminds me in Exodus 33 when Moses was given the challenge of leading all of God's people into the promised land. One guy leading all these rebellious and up and down people. His prayer was, God, I'm not going to go unless you go. And God says, well, I'm going with you. And he said, well, would you show me your glory? Like, just show me. And so the how would be your name is, is as you're praying, you're saying, God, I, I know in my head and I believe and I've been told that you are an almighty God and that you're glorious and you're supreme. God, would you hallow your name before me? Uh, I, there is nothing wrong with you if in 2019 your prayer journal has many times you just say, God, show me. Just please show me how awesome you are. Because one of the most dangerous things that can happen in our Christian life is when we lose our awe of God. Like when God is no longer the one we would go to or run to for strength or refuge or help, then we're in trouble. Like the biggest, like, I don't know, moments in our lives are when we've gone other places other than to God. And so, Father, how would be your name? God, constantly remind me that you alone are my rock and refuge, that you alone are good and great, and I will not find rest anywhere else besides in you. That, God, I will not find comfort, I will not find power, I will not find hope unless I'm coming to you. God, keep reminding me, hallow your name in my life. And then it's that tone that just infiltrates the rest of your prayers for everybody else. God, just like you just did for me, God, now do that and all these other situations in my lives. May your name be hallowed. I uh, read an interesting statistic that it's something like 75 or 80% of Americans will panic if they can't find their cell phone. <laughs> you don't know where your cell phone is. It's like, ah, you feel untethered. You feel unattached. You feel alone. You feel threatened. And so it's interesting. I mean, you may laugh and say, well, uh, the most dangerous thing for Christians is when we lose our awe of God and we forget about who God is. But it is so, we are so easily distracted from what really matters, from who really it is that provides where our hope truly lies, with who our rock really is. And so, so we pray, God, how would, Father, how would be your name? And so it's a real game changer in our prayer lives. We realize that the God we can call Daddy, be very familiar with and talk with uh, at any time, who we can have access to at any time, is the God who is all-powerful, almighty, who is our rock and refuge. And so it's beautiful when you see that played out. And again, I go back to the life of Jesus and look at a key moment in his life where there was hardship, there was challenge, and yet he entered with this prayer that he just taught us to pray. In Mark 14, 36, the setting is Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He is about to be arrested tried, beaten, crucified, and then rise again from the dead. And, and you look at what Jesus did. If you ever look at the passion of Jesus going through the cross, you say, how did he have such strength? Like, how did he have the compassion to pray that the people crucifying him 
would be forgiven by his father. Like, how did he pull that off? And again, don't just say, well, he was God. That's how he pulled it off. His prayer life propelled him into the passion that blows us away. And it's in Mark 14, 36, where he prayed this prayer over and over again. He said, Father, it's that daddy word. It's Abba. All things are possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Do you see Jesus doing the same thing he just taught us to do in the Lord's Prayer? Celebrating intimacy with the Father, celebrating that his name is hallowed, he can do whatever he wants to do, but then coming boldly, like, here's what I would love to see happen, Father, if there's any way that besides the cross that you could fulfill your plan of salvation, take this cup from me, but then there's that peaceful surrender, but not what I will, but what you will. Like, what a beautiful picture of the prayer life that Jesus is inviting us into this year. That whatever is the big challenge that's in your life or somebody close to you, that to pray the same thing, celebrate the intimacy you have with God, like recognize his power to do whatever he wants and to boldly ask him to work, to do what you would like to do him to do. But then you can say, but not my will, but yours. To walk with peace and resolve and hope no matter what comes this year. Just if there, if there could be another encouragement to you, Romans eight thirty one, just to propel you into praying this way. If God is for you, who can be against you? He who didn't spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with Jesus, freely give us all things? When you pray, you pray to a God who is so glad you're in his presence, and you pray to a God who is hallowed. He can do whatever he wants. He is supreme. And so we can rest in that if our prayers are answered or not, if we see immediate results or not, we can live in the peace and confidence of knowing we've been heard by the Almighty God. And so what I want us to do now is like we did a little bit earlier, I'm going to give you a couple minutes to just pray out of this theme of how would be your name. So there's not a slide for this one, but same deal. You could pray out loud. You could pray quietly where you are. But let me invite you to pray some bold and big prayers before God. So maybe your prayer would be uh, for God to reveal his greatness to you, reveal his glory to you. Uh, and then you praise him for that. You praise him for who he is. Maybe that's your time now. Or, or maybe, again, there's a situation or there's some people in your lives that are really struggling right now. So you pray that they would see the glory of God, that God's power and glory would show up in their situation. If you could pray for us as a church, too, that we would be a church that, that makes much of the glory of God, that we are propelled to live courageously and confidently because of the power of God. And if you could pray for our city, our country, your neighbors, uh, to see the glory of God. So just pray now along that theme of how would be your name. God, show your glory, show your strength. To me, show your glory, show your strength in this church, in the lives of people we love, and in this city.
was great kicking off a new year with you guys, focusing on prayer. I encourage you to just keep tracking with those emails in the next week and to just keep grabbing to these two pillars of Father, how would be your name, and just watch what God wants to do in your lives this year. So um, as you leave, if you could take your communion cups with you and throw those away. And again, we're not taking an offering today, but those receptacles are in the back for your offering. So let me pray for us and then we'll step out. So Father, thank you that we leave now um, with the privilege of walking through this week with the God of the universe, that you're thrilled that we cry out to you when we do, and that you're God who is there to be our rock refuge and our strength. And so may we live like that this week. May we be people that just cry out to you. May we be set free from fear and worry. May we be able to live courageously and generously and serve the people in our lives. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, you guys are great. Have a great week.